Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. Today we're going to share the experience of David from Enderf.org. David says, I took a large dose of disassociative anesthetic I have had been abusing for a few weeks in a suicide attempt. I was very depressed at the time. I was online for the first half of the experience, trying to talk on online messenger. As time wore on, I was less and less able to communicate. I was so disoriented, my typed words came out as a jumble of letters with an occasional intelligible word thrown in here and there. As the minutes passed, I became less and less interested in being online and spent more and more time puking. I started to notice a ringing tone in my ears, which eventually got so loud I couldn't hear anything else. I've heard other people who were definitely near death speak of hearing a tone or ringing in their ears, so that makes me think I was actually close to death. Eventually, I puked up everything in my stomach, though it had been a couple hours since I took the drug, so it was already in my system, and decided to lay down to die. I crawled over to the bed and collapsed in a heap. Some time passed, and I eventually found myself in a bright tunnel, traveling very fast. I was at least vaguely aware of the near-death experience phenomenon, so I realized I must be dying. At first I was upset, realizing that I had succeeded, and started worrying about the people left behind. As I traveled down the tunnel, I felt these fears stripped away from me one by one. Eventually the tunnel led out onto a platform with a marble floor. There were various people milling about in gray hooded robes. One of them came up to me and introduced himself as my guide. The architecture of the place was very Greek in style, with columns and such. I don't believe it was heaven or hell. Around this time, at this point, my emotional situation took a turn for the worst. I felt a very strong feeling of depression or failure or something along those lines. This persisted throughout the experience. This is just an interpretation based on subsequent studies of near-death experiences, but I think it probably had to do with the way I got there in a suicide attempt and the fact that I hadn't completed my mission. I don't re really remember a lot of what happened next, but I know at one point I visited a site of some special significance. There was a large circle of some type, and I stepped inside it, I could feel the love of God radiating into my body. It was somewhat impersonal in that I had no actual communication with God, just the feeling of warm love. There was only a small event after that that I can remember, which involved contact with a deceased family member, which I will not recount here. I don't remember returning to my body, I woke up the next morning feeling like I had been hit by a train. That is the end of the experience. And there's a couple of things that stand out to me. First off, this attempt to commit suicide that so many near-death experiencers 
do that leads to their near-death experience. I have not found a near-death experience uh, suicide attempt that the person didn't either regret or feel in the experience like they had not completed their mission or like this one where he feels this sense of, let's see, how does he say it? A feeling of depression or failure or something along those lines. He says it persisted throughout the experience, which is interesting because he talks about this love and, and acceptance and joy, and yet it also is accompanied by this depression or failure of some kind. And, you know, in this life, it's, it's hard to imagine being both depressed and happy at the same time. I think we can experience it. Even somebody with depression can still find something funny or laugh, you know, or or find temporary joy in something, but it's like it's like they they veer away from the the depression just long enough to experience that, and then they fall back to the default depression state. I'm not sure if that's what those on the other side are experiencing. It could be, and and it could be a focus thing. You know what they're focusing on, what their where their attention is. But I think it's more than that. I think they can actually feel both at the same time. I think there's an expanded capacity to feel greater emotion on that side. And so that feeling of depression can persist throughout. Not that it is lacking love and the feeling of joy and acceptance, but that it is accompanied, the, the depression is accompanied by a feeling of love and joy and acceptance. And it just tells me how important it is not to do that, not to make the suicide attempt. Don't even attempt it. If there is a, a real temptation toward it, get help. There is help. And, and even if the help that you feel like you've gotten so far doesn't feel like it's done something, get more help. There is more help to be had. Certainly turn to God and ask for his help. He can send you the help that you need. And that doesn't mean it's going to happen today or that your prayer will be answered within an hour. But it will be answered if you really, truly seek it. And it's true that when you're feeling depressed, you don't feel like you want to feel better. You know, it's like, yeah, you hate how you feel, but it's like, I don't want to go dancing. I don't want to go watch a movie. I don't want to, you know, eat a favorite meal. I just don't care. I just don't care about anything. And it's interesting that we use those terms when we talk about depression. We talk about just not caring. But if you really didn't care, then you wouldn't care about going dancing either. The fact is, is you're feeling a negative emotion toward dancing because of this negative emotion of depression. It's not that you're completely un, you know, without emotion toward going dancing, because if that was the case, you'd be just as inclined to go as to not go. The fact is you're feeling a negative feeling toward it because the depression itself is fighting the, uh, the potential positives of going dancing or going, you know, doing something that you enjoy. Um, and so recognize that and tell yourself, you know what, I don't feel like dancing, but I'm going to go do it anyway with knowing that I'll probably hate it. Fine. Go and do something you hate. When you're depressed, I mean, when you're talking about feelings of suicidal, 
you know you know you're not going to enjoy killing yourself that the pain or or the the moments prior to it are going to be terribly unpleasant so it's not like you're you're in a state where you're you know I only want to do things that I enjoy because you don't want to do things you want there that you enjoy you don't want to do anything so there's not really any logical sense to saying I don't want to go do this thing that I enjoy I don't want to go see this movie I don't want to you know go hang out with family or friends or people who care about me um, it's not that you don't want to do it because it just sounds you know not at all interesting to you because even staying at home or doing nothing doesn't sound interesting to you either it's that your negative emotion is having a negative effect on how you know on your choices and so you have to make choices despite what you feel like and that's hard that is hard but doing so can help you get out of it you know because somebody who's depressed says i don't want to go see a therapist i don't even care i just i don't feel anything i don't care it's not that you don't feel anything it's that you feel negative feelings toward anything positive and and the idea of going and hurting yourself while it doesn't sound pleasant has a draw for you and if that's the case think about it logically enough which is hard when you're depressed i I understand that think about the fact that yeah this is going to be a terrible experience going dancing or going you know whatever it is that you love to do normally when you're healthy you know this um this person that you know will make you feel better and you don't want to feel better because you just don't care go do it you know despite your emotions even if it's like you know what I hate myself so much that I'm going to go do this thing that I know I'll love because I don't want to do it. Use that instead of something seriously negative like hurting yourself or causing yourself harm in some way. I don't know if that makes sense. And certainly when you're depressed, you're like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to even try. I have no interest in that. Of course. But you still have the power to choose. It doesn't mean you have the power to choose how you'll feel about it or how you'll react to it. It may or may not have a positive effect on you. You may walk away saying, yeah, this is why I didn't want to do it. This is worse than I expected it to be. It could be. So give it a try. See what happens. If that doesn't work, try something else. Maybe just getting a good night's sleep will at least get you in a state where where positive things won't feel negative. I don't know. I'm not a therapist. I can't say. The other thing that I wanted to say about this um, experience is what he says about about um, uh, not completing his mission. He says, you know, this feeling of depression that he or failure or whatever it was that he was feeling alongside the feelings of love. He says this is just an interpretation based on subsequent studies of near-death experiences. But I think it probably had to do with the way I got there, that suicide attempt, and the fact that I hadn't completed my mission. Now, I don't know how it works, but I would be willing to bet that if somebody is genuinely trying and striving to do what's right, they're trying to to stay close enough to God that he might be able to communicate what to do when and when to do it, you know, 
fulfilling your life purpose, if you will, asking for help in fulfilling that life purpose, regardless of whether you feel a clear answer to what your mission is or whatever, which most people won't, some people do, and I would love to be one of those people, but uh, if you're staying as close to God as you know how, and you're trying to do what's right, genuinely trying to do what you feel is right, then you'll complete your mission. I'm confident of that. I can't say it with absolute certainty. I, I'm not in a position to say that, but I suspect, based on everything I've read, based on everything I've experienced, that seems to be something that we can be confident of, is that God will help us to get where we need to be at the right time to fulfill our mission. And chances are, your mission is not one thing, like, you know, I have to show up at the library on this day to meet this person, to give them encouragement to whatever. It's probably more like you're going to give people encouragement. That's your mission. And that's, you know, will mean in the library, in a classroom, in a, in a bumping into somebody on a bus stop, you know, talking to your friends or family at dinner. You know, I mean, the point is, stay alive. And stay close to God as best you know how. And he'll make sure that you complete your mission. Maybe it hasn't occurred to some people, but depression can be a very powerful part of a life mission. Sometimes even an essential part. I've heard of people who have gone through years, even decades, of severe chronic depression. Just debilitating depression to the point where they could not function in society. And then as they, I, I don't want to say overcame it because it's, it's not always something that's overcome, but as they learn to transcend the experience to the point where they have it, but they can function within it, they are able to be a compassionate uh, outreach to those who have the same kinds of feelings. They're the kind of people that are that talk other people out of suicide, that help other people through their depression, saying, yeah, it's going to seriously stink, but here's what I did on those days, that it was just unbearable, and this is how I got through it. And that, that is a powerful life mission. And I don't care if it's a setting of, you know, talking to juvenile delinquents, you know, in some kind of assembly thing, or if it's just you know, your nephew's having a hard time and you put your arm around him and say, hey, you know what, I've been there. I know what you're going through. That is a powerful mission. And if you save one life, and I don't just mean suicidally, you know, you, you may do that, which is fabulous and, and, and incredible. But if you prevent one person from making a choice that's going to affect their life negatively for the rest of their life, if you prevent them, say, from getting involved in drugs or maybe taking that drink that's going to put them in a car accident that will spoil their, ruin their family or whatever. You know, if you do one thing that points somebody, helps somebody down a positive route, then your life itself was worth it. And once you complete your mission, honestly, I suspect if you if your life is really rough, God will make sure that you're that you come home as soon as possible afterward. 
Now, if you're the kind of person that has a rotten, rotten life and then is able to transcend to some level to the point where you're able to help people, you have completed your mission and yet you feel this desire to still help people and you're able to do more. I mean, I don't want to say you get some kind of bonus points in heaven, but when it comes down to it, you are becoming more and you are doing more. And if you leave this life saying, you know, seeing in your life review, I completed my mission and look at all this other extra stuff I did. Look at all these extra steps that I did and helped these people to in their missions and so forth. I mean, it's incredible what God can do with a person when they're willing to let him try. And so that's, that's, that's what I get out of this experience. So if you would like to contact the podcast, either to share your own uh, experience, to ask a question, or just share a comment, you can do so by emailing neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com or by calling 970-NDE-CAST. It will give you a three-minute message time. If you need more than that, just call right back and and uh, keep sharing your message until you get it all, and we will put it on the podcast. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by either purchasing the book, Life in the Spirit World, which you can find on neardeathexperiencepodcast.org, or by going to patreon.com slash ndecast and becoming an ongoing monthly contributor. If you do that, you will get access to an extra episode of the podcast every week. And once again, thank you all of you so much for listening.